0: and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients, no sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system, and L-Thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code
1: 99999. Hi, everyone. It's Trent Clark, CEO of Leadership and serial Entrepreneur newer international speaker and longtime coach in professional baseball. Welcome to the winner's find a way show. I am with Natasha Miller. Hi, Natasha. Hello. Oh, it's so good to see you. Fellow EO member. So excited about having a little interview with Natasha. And she is the recent author of Relentless, which we're going to get into today. That is debuting March 27th. So super excited about that. Natasha, I asked you to come on my show. Tell me a little bit about You hear this, winners find a way. Why do you come on a show like mine?
2: Why do I come? Because you are a winner and I want to be able to learn from you and also have the people that learn from you and listen to you know about me.
1: Perfect. All right. Well, today we're going to get the chance to learn from you a lot, which is going to be awesome. Learn your story a little bit, some things that you've gone through. I mean, it is a crazy life, Natasha Miller. I love it. It's awesome. So for those who are joining us the first time, welcome to the Winners Find A Way show. If you've ever faced stiff adversity, if you felt like the losses are mounting and you need to find a better way, I think you came to the right place. Whether you're already an entrepreneur, athlete, or just looking to take your first step to being elite, you start right here because we always have fabulous one percenters that will talk about their stories, about their challenges, about the things they've overcome in this lifetime, and it is Awesome. So before we do that, Natasha, tell them where they can find you.
2: Oh, you can find me at officialnatashamiller.com.
1: Ooh, official. Nice. And then you're on all the major networks at Natasha Miller, or is it official Natasha Miller?
2: At Natasha Miller SF, and the SF is for San Francisco.
1: Yeah, there's, there's probably a few Natasha Millers out there, right? A couple. A couple. That's awesome. All right, so let's talk a little bit. As I introduce... Natasha to the audience you're gonna love this as I said she's an author she owns a business called entire productions which is a big a, experiential and a group an entertainment production company you're based in San Francisco but you're an Iowa girl right I
2: am I'm, there's no taking the Iowa out of
1: me no way Now I uh, do you root for Iowa State do you have like a college that like you are uh, t- tied to I
2: went to Iowa State oh, okay I was a violinist and a jazz vocalist. So sports, again, I really, I mean, I went to all my brother's baseball games. I know that game. Yes. The only thing that really resonates with me for sports is when I sing the national anthem for the major league baseball and football and
1: For all of us us baseball guys, we love a good national anthem, like someone who can just bring it home. We do listen to it 162 times a year, right? So it's a chance to get to pay our respects to the flag and a good singer always serves us. It's awesome. So that's cool. I, I wonder if I've ever got the chance to actually be at one of your games when you were singing. So let's get into, you. so you've been a recording artist. You recorded your own work with Poignant Records. Mm-hmm. You were a violinist. With which group? You've t- traveled with a few? So as a
2: violinist, I was the concert master of a few handful of orchestras. Iowa State, actually Symphony. Nice. And then I started my own string quartet called the Sapphire String Quartet. I named it. And I made a living playing music up until and and further after I started entire productions and started bringing other artists of every genre and every discipline from local to headliners to perform. And so, and I no longer perform for private events at this okay. point in life.
0: At
1: this point in life, it's it's about the business. It's about helping other people. I mean, you were you got some help along the way. I mean, as a member of EO, you get a lot of education, but you also were part of the 10,000 small businesses with Goldman Sachs and you've taken advantage of some of the EO, MIT, and Harvard programs. Tell us a little bit about your state of lifelong learning and what you've dove into there.
2: I didn't realize when I first started my business that getting the information of how to lay down a firm foundation for business would have been like amazing. Mm. I was really proud of doing it myself and being innovative. And I was also had more of a lifestyle business. So I wasn't trying to scale and grow. When I got the opportunity to do the 10 KSB program, I was ready to pop it up a notch. And after I went to that program You could not stop me. I was, it was voracious learning. And my business scaled by 65% year over year after that. And it's not just because of that one course. I think it was the change of mindset, the aha moment of, oh my God, if I do these things, it's going to increase productivity, profit, revenue, happiness. And so then I became addicted to learning how to run manage, scale, and grow a business. And that's why I will now take almost any opportunity that I come across to learn. And it's so exciting because no matter how good and how much information I get, I know that there's so much more out there.
1: Well, I love that. I mean, I love that because it's a great lesson for students too. When you find out what you really want to study and learn, like learning's easy, right? Like You're excited about it. You're like, oh, hey, I could get better in this, especially when For us in entrepreneurship, we really get the fact like we read a good book, execute on some of those key things from the book and go, whoa, like this learning was fabulous for me. (laughs) Look at the revenue generated or the more clients or whatever it is. And I think that is so important that we have to often equate like uh, that the juice is worth the squeeze. We want to see our result. And if you can do that quickly, obviously it has more impact probably than other times because we're not very patient people. Correct.
2: Right. And some of the things that you put into play, you will see a return immediately and some takes longer. But as you mature, you're able to know that once I do this thing, that in three months we'll see the change and not to get too frustrated about it before then.
1: Yes. I think that's so good. So wise. Okay, so how about Natasha? Been through a bunch of things. You're a mom. And you've done a bunch of different things in this life. And your book talks a lot about being a mom and a lot of both great things about being a mom and hard things about being a mom too. And let's talk a little bit about one thing that most people probably don't know about you. The one thing or a thing? Any one thing. Yeah. So many, yeah.
2: Well, it's all in the book. I did not leave out anything. I was so vulnerable to the point where the reaction from the people that are reading it is Overwhelming. And I think it's overwhelming because they've never read anything like it before. I put mm-hmm. myself out on a limb and discuss things that are pretty taboo and also that are kind of the things that you don't say out loud in yeah. front of people. And no one, up until a couple of years ago, so I've been writing the book for four years. And about a couple of years ago, I remember when I was at the Inc. 5000 conference. And I was a speaker, so I was invited to at the speaker's event. And I'm surrounded by people that have grown by 8,000% and billion-dollar companies. And I stood up at the table, and I introduced myself, and I said that I needed to practice saying this out loud because I'm just now starting to tell my story. It was very awkward, and it was Strange, but the room got really quiet and you literally could see people leaning in. Mm. And this is before dinner, so the whole place got quiet, and I'm not sure exactly what I said, but I think I said, "I own a profitable multi-million dollar business and I was once in a homeless shelter at the age 16 and on my own since then." Something to that effect. And before that, I had never really admitted that out loud. Now, I wasn't trying to hide it. But I just thought to be taken seriously, I needed to put my best foot forward. And what I didn't know is that being vulnerable and telling your story is actually your best foot
0: mm.
1: in
2: some case, in many cases.
1: Yeah, it's really good. And the things that are hard in our lives, we don't talk about to just anybody, right? Like we don't walk in and go, oh, what? Welcome to Starbucks. I'll take a Carbo macchiato." And hey, by the way, I was an abused kid. Right. Like It's like that's not where we start. Like we just don't lean into it. We have to get that. Do we have to dive into that trust pool a lot? And that takes a lot of time. I mean, and we really think about the people that we tell our deep, dark secrets. And most people can count those on one hand, right? And often one finger <laughs> of who they're willing to share those things. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, our audience that most people don't know about you is that you are a member of the Recording Academy, which is responsible for the Grammys, which is pretty cool. Yeah,
2: going to the Grammys is really cool. And for me, of course, the performances are amazing. And being able to walk the red carpet with the celebrities and not get kicked off is fun. (laughs) But for me, I love seeing the backstage changing of all the scenes. And it is a miraculous moment that they get those scenes changed in time for the next performer. And if you notice the sound, if you're listening to the Grammys at home, isn't great. Sometimes you can't hear the vocalist or like it's a miracle you can hear anything because how many things are happening at one time
1: it's a big part of theater music that people do not understand stage production is a Mm -hmm. massive deal and so i often get involved with different theater programs and even large church programs that have massive and people go well i really want to be a part of music in the theater like there is a job backstage there is so much work to do in prep in mic work in set design i mean Running crazy. Tables, yeah,
2: making marks on the ground for oh. like literally at the grammys you'll see if you saw a bird's eye view of it you would see a rainbow of tape colors and each tape color goes with either a an amp or an amp a speaker or a stage plot For that particular speaker. So they're removing everything that you see from that vignette, taking it backstage within like minutes, and pushing in like the giant dinosaur or the whatever. And it has to be put in the right spot. Now that has nothing to do with this quality of sound and did they plug in the mic correctly? Like it's nutballs.
1: So let's take you back to this childhood, Natasha, right? Let's say you're 10 years old or whatever age. And I mean, are you thinking like I'm going to be one of the top violinists in the world. I will be a jazz vocalist. Like I have just got talent for talent. I'll be a recording artist. I'll be a multi-million dollar business owner. Yeah, is, that, yeah. is that what you're thinking coming out of the cornfields the only, of Iowa? No, the
2: only thing I thought it's the only thing I thought I would be. And the only thing I wanted to be as a young girl, first of all, was to be a performance artist, Okay. Now, did I think I was going to make it to being a member of the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences and go to the Grammys and have projects that were Grammy worthy? I didn't think that I would, but I think I assumed that I would come into that realm somehow. Now, I had no inclination or no idea that I would ever own a business that I do, like entrepreneurship, doing anything outside of performing was not in the cards. Mm. And I wanted to be a singer more than anything. I didn't, I mean, I love the violin, but it wasn't my end all be all. So I have seven recordings as a vocalist. And on those recordings, I also play violin, but it's not the predominant instrument.
1: Nice, okay. So let's take this back to when it got challenging right? When was
2: it not challenging?
1: Yeah. Right. Like let's talk about it. Was there, was there a impactful pivot point as a kid where you knew you could turn this around or did that come later or what mm-hmm. was the impactful pivot as a, or a transition or whatever you want to call that, that, that changed things for you at a young age?
2: Probably when I was taken to a youth shelter on Christmas day, after my mother started threatening again to kill me, but this time she's chasing me around with a butcher knife. Mm-hmm. I finally called 911 and was taken to the shelter for my safety. This was in the mid eighties. There wasn't very much help that yeah. the police could do. So I think at that point, that wasn't the pivotal moment, but my finding out that I did not have to stay there as sort of like a prisoner yeah. or a of the state, I was actually deemed an abandoned youth. And I was able to be emancipated. It's unofficial because at that time, there was no formal emancipation law. Now, did I think at that time, I've made it, I'm on my own, I don't have Mm. to worry about my mom anymore. No, I wanted to go back home to the chaos I knew, but I I wasn't able to. So from that moment on, I just did everything I scraped and clawed and worked and focused and was disciplined and getting good at everything that I was interested in, had a talent for, and that was naturally good at. And so I was monetizing anything that I was able to do because I had to. Yeah. So I was a lettering artist. I started doing calligraphy for people's wedding invitations, and I ended up doing jobs for big ad agencies.
1: So you become automatically, you're forced into this somewhat overnight entrepreneur, like I need revenue. Like I, I have to survive on my own. Did, Total did,
2: survival yeah, tactic. Yeah.
1: Do they know, like nowadays, would they know your mom was suffering from mental health? Like what, what would they know today about your mom that we just didn't know back then? Well, she just
2: didn't get the help that she needed and the support. And my family didn't push that. And it wasn't a culture of that kind of thing. Yeah. And There was definitely a mental health issue. Can I give you the name of what she was suffering from? No, because she wasn't officially diagnosed. I could guess at, and other professionals have said, well, she's probably this or that, but it doesn't really matter, right? It's a person that was struggling, that didn't get the help that she needed, and then also wreaked havoc on other people's lives because of it. It's just a sad story all around.
1: Yeah. For sure. So let's dig a little bit into this as we look at maybe taking you to the next story, which is, I love the quote from McChesney and Sean Covey. He's now the CEO of Stephen Covey Industries, right? It's his dad. And so when we look at that, winners, when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. And I mean, I just immediately picture yourself as this young kid who's got to be this entrepreneur as kind of a lot of us were like, paper routes and yeah. shoveling snow and whatever we could do to scratch money. Right. Yeah. Like you were like, Hey, this isn't working. I'm not selling calligraphy for weddings. I gotta do something else. Like, I mean, you, yeah. you gotta move fast because you don't have time to, to be in a losing like business yeah. no. at all. So I mean,
2: I was professionally playing violin at 15 and once that money started coming in, I was like, yeah, I'm going yeah. to do like I was making way more than I did when I was scooping ice cream. Yeah. Right. Right. And then it pulled me through life. It pulled me through full ride scholarships to college and it informed so much. And if I didn't have that, God only knows. I don't know what, I don't know what would happen. There's no way anyone would know.
1: Yeah. It's one of the huge value I've, I've really received in my life from music and theater and sports. Is that I got to see the world on everybody else's dime, right? Like, hey, if you can come perform for us, like in, a, in whatever it is, right? Like, yeah. you're going to go travel and see things and they pay the freight and you're like, this is awesome, right? Like, I loved it seeing so many different cultures. And I mean, from your standpoint of the music side, some of the great music halls of the world, right? People just, they, they're dying to go. To mm-hmm. these places, they're almost like they're cathedral, right? Like they're so unique. And when you walk in them, I mean, especially if you're into that world, it just feels like hallowed ground, right? It's like, yeah. whoa, here we are. Like, what? Like, like, I mean, like the Grammys, right? You go to the Grammys, you're like, this is crazy, and this is awesome, bucket list kind of thing, only do once in a lifetime. But that's walking into Carnegie Hall or walking into some of these places that you've only read about or seen on TV. Talk about that.
2: Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And when I, I was pinching myself, like you wouldn't believe that first Grammys Heineken was sponsoring. So the red carpet was green and (laughs) I was literally walking the the red carpet with Heidi Klum, Gwen Stefani and her Harajuku girls, Fergie. And she was tiny, by the way, I was like, she's like a little one. Uh, They look so different than they do on, on television and just feeling the Amount of people. So I gotta I got to be behind the scenes and red carpet guest and just general viewer all at once. Mm. The interesting thing is, is I've gone so many years now and I'm in entertainment production, it doesn't have the same effect any longer. Mm. Right. And yes. I know the behind the scenes, I know the wizard of oz wizardry that happens. So yeah. I don't see it from that through that lens anymore, but I know that other people do, and I want them to have that shock and awe of an incredible experience
1: yeah it does wear down and i remember going into these stadiums and they were like they were cathartic and cathedral like to me when i was a kid and then you go into them four or five times and you're like yeah i kind of been there i've done it right and so But when my friends would visit or uh, they'd be like, oh my gosh, we're like in Yankee Stadium or whatever. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's pretty cool. I'll tell you what.
2: I sang the national anthem for the San Francisco Giants a few months, like in the fall. And for me, I've done it so many times at major league sporting events that there is a pressure and there is a lot to be learned every time you do it. But I'm kind of used to it now. 40,000 people, no big deal. Yeah, whatever. Hardly any good... (laughs) monitors I I can figure it out but they allowed my dad and my daughter not uh, on the field not only for the sound check but for the performance and that's what got me going (laughs) excitement and pride yeah share that time with me on the field which is so different than in the stands even in the best seat stands right yes so for no, me i love that for my people
1: that's a cool experience and i and I, I those are probably some of the best memories i had from sports is like giving great tickets away well, i'm not I'm, I'm gonna be in the dugout so here's some great tickets to the world series for my dad or forever and i think that's something they hold dear and and i recall actually my dad taking a close friend to the world series one year using my seats. And his friend passed away like six months after
2: oh the event
1: and his wife talked about it and so the UG, a great like,
2: experience.
1: Yeah. This was the <laughs> once in a lifetime, like, Hey, I- I'm going to do this before I die. Right. See my team in the world series as we get so tied into our, to whatever we're a member of, right. Whether it's our production team or the sports team or whatever, we have a passion about it. We want to see them perform and be their best in that one thing of all time. And so, they really talked about that. So let's talk about a time where you were in that spot. You're just in it and things are looking tough. What do you do in that minute? I mean, clearly, like the deck stacked against you, you're losing and mm. you got to find a way. What, what's walk me through about what you figured out in those moments?
0: Thank you for listening to the Winners Find A Way show and podcast. Trent, together with the leaders who shared their learning and experiences through this show, are grateful for allowing them to help and support you on your journey to becoming your best. Write a review, rate us five stars, and share this episode to your network.